Center is incredible, and uh, really thankful that's opening. Um, also, just want to let you know, on the 24th, I mean, we're doing some cool things with worship. The Shackmans, again, this morning, just incredible um, musicians up on stage with us. The 24th, we're doing an all-staff on-stage worship. Now, it's not all of our staff, but for example, Randy Mostel, our executive pastor, is going to be playing bass. Uh, Rachel, uh, one of our children's pastors, is going to be singing. Um, Charlie's going to be on stage with us. He's on stage every week with us. Um, Zach, our comm pastor, is going to be playing guitar. I'm going to be playing guitar. Um, we've got, who am I missing? Shelly is going to be playing percussion, maybe one of these box thingies, or maybe just a couple of wrenches together. Whatever Shelly comes up with is always creative and unique. Curtis, our student pastor, is going to be playing drums. I mean, just it'll be a great day. So come and just celebrate with us. Just, just seeing that we love you as a staff and we want to bring that to you. And it may not be great, but come and celebrate and worship anyway. So uh, glad you're here for that. And one other thing before we launch into our teaching today, we want to keep ourselves focused on, on our mission as, as individuals and as a church. And, and so Andy and Linda Richmond, they were some of our original members. Andy was one of our first elders here they're up in years. They live on the west side of Hamilton off of Stahl Labor Road, way out Stahl Labor Road. And they need some help with, uh, with weeding and their flower beds and, you know, around their barns and those kind of things. And so I just want to, as many of you that are interested in going and helping them, see me after the service because we want to take care of the people that have served us so well. So, yeah, Absolutely. Now, let me ask you this question. Does anyone want to change anything in their lives? Anyone? Raise your hand. Anybody want to change? Yeah, something needs to change in your life. Has anybody tried to change? Any of you? Have you tried? Every hand in this place should go up. Why? Because we've all tried to change. And, and the bigger question is, how is that change going for you? Right? I mean, you've tried to change, but how's it going for you? Have you made it to the finish line and said, I'm changed? I've done everything that I set out to do. I've accomplished the change in my life. Yes! If the answer is yes to that, congratulations, because you are the exception to the rule, right? You, you, you just are. They did a study of 40 million people who made some type of resolution to change, and sadly, most of us quit within the first two weeks. We don't even make it a month, right? I mean, we, we, we know we need some changes in our lives, but we don't even make it a month. A couple of weeks, and we're done. And here's what happens when we try to make changes on our own. Are you ready? We will still weigh more than we wanted to weigh. Is that true for any of you? It's true for me. We will still spend more money than we actually make. The average American spends about $4,000 more than they make every year. That's going to be true for most of us. And most of us here will want to read the Bible every day, but we won't do it. Why? Because change is hard. Change is difficult. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to dive into our lives, deep into our lives. And I want to talk about the fact that change is possible, but it doesn't happen the way that we think it happens. It doesn't happen the way that we try to make it happen. It just doesn't. The title of this message is, when you're sick of being stuck, look at the person next to you and just say this, I'm sick of being stuck. Turn around, talk to the people behind you, person next to you, they're right, right there, you guys connect right there, whatever. I'm sick of being stuck. Online, put it in the chat. I'm sick of being stuck. I mean, if you feel frustrated or exhausted or embarrassed or you even feel a little bit ashamed that you can't change, you're not alone. Look at the people around you. We've all failed. None of us are able to keep that change momentum going because we look at it in a wrong kind of way. Even the Apostle Paul, who wrote over half of the New Testament, he understands what it's like to try to do the right thing, but not doing it. Here's what it says in Romans 7.15. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Anybody relate to that? Anybody? Anybody want to do the right thing, but you end up doing the wrong things? You end up giving in time and time and time again? And you step back and you think, what in the world is wrong with me? Why can't I change? Why can't I keep this commitment? I mean, I tried to change. I tried to change this year. Tried to change last year. Tried to change the year before that and the year before that and the year before that. But I keep giving back in to all the things that I don't want to do. And I've done everything. Maybe this is what you say to yourself. I've done everything that they say to do, right? I set goals. You've got to set goals, right? I mean, I, I mean that's a legitimate you know, thing. I made vows. I bought my workout clothes. Even those really cool-looking Hoka tennis shoes, Joe Real. And, you know, they look great. How much running's happening? I have no idea. But you bought the good clothes, right? I mean, you got the daily planner, you made the vision board, you did everything. Guys, we've got the right intentions. We've got the wrong strategies. That's part of our issues. We're trying to change, but we're trying to change in the wrong way. And that's where we're going to talk through uh, Craig Rochelle's book called The Power to Change, Mastering the Habits that Matter Most. Craig Rochelle's the lead pastor at Life Church Church. Life Life Church. Life Church Church. Yeah, that's what it is. Anyway, he's the lead pastor of the largest church in the United States. Anyway, this is one of his books, and it's so, so good because he's looking at Scripture and he's figuring out what does the Bible say about habits, about how we handle them, what we do with them. Now, what do we know about real change? Well, here's his analysis of this. Real change is not behavior modification. Real change is spiritual transformation. Hold on to that for just a minute. 
Real change is not behavior modification. Real change is spiritual transformation. It's not just about changing what we do on the outside. It's about allowing God to change who we are on the inside. It's not just our outward behaviors. It's so much more than that. And that's why the Apostle Paul said, again, I'm trying to do what's right, but I can't, and I don't want to do what's wrong, but that's what I keep doing. And then he asked a question. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Who's going to free you? It's not you. It's not your friends. It's Jesus. It's not just changing our behaviors. It's a spiritual change that has to happen inside of us. Now, over the next few weeks, we're looking at kind of how as Christians we try to change in the wrong ways. Here's what Jerry Bridges says. He says, there are three mindsets that Christians will adapt when it comes to change. Two are wrong and one is right. The first one when it comes to change is this. This is a wrong one. It's God, then it's me. Now, I'm going to say this is the one most of us have. It's God, then it's me. God does the work to save us, forgive us, love us, and then God says, good luck. I'm stepping back. I'm out of the picture. It's all on you now. And, and, and here's what we, what we do, how we do that. We say things like, well, I'm trying to stop losing my temper. The I is the key word in that. I'm trying to stop losing my temper. I'm trying not to yell at my kids. I'm trying to stop cussing. I'm trying to get close to God. I'm trying to stop spending four hours a day scrolling on Facebook and TikTok. Why? Because we believe if it's going to happen, we have to make it happen. Right? If it's going to happen, it's up to us. It's up to you to change. I mean, God, thanks for saving us, but now it's the ball's in my court. I have to do everything from this point on. That's just a wrong concept. Here's the second one that's wrong. It's God and not me. And I know a lot of people that get into this mindset. First one's about how hard we work to get things done. The second one takes all the responsibility off of us. Doesn't matter what I do, what I say, how it, none of that. It's all about what God does, and it has nothing to do with me, everything to do with what God does for us. It shifts all the responsibility to God. He has to do everything, and I don't have to do anything. That's such a wrong mindset. Maybe not, maybe not the way we want to look at, at life, right? Like, if it's all about God and not about me, and I don't like my job, what do I do? I quit. And what does God have to do? Find me a new job. Because it's God's job, not mine. And I know people that have been in that mindset and have ended up in that strategy, and it's not the best outcome for most of us. Some of you have found that out the hard way. Or maybe you think, I want to get closer to God, but you haven't read the Bible since 1998. And this might be your first time back in church since COVID, and you're going, well, why, why don't I feel like I have any spiritual strength or spiritual power? Or like, why isn't God there for me right now? Hmm. Because it's not all God's responsibility to do that. We have some play in that too. So there's God, then me. There's God and not me. And here's the correct one. It's God through me. 
All right? That, this is the key to this whole series. It's God through me. Real change happens when God works through us. It's not all about us, and it's not all about God doing things. It's God working through us. Again, the Apostle Paul, he recognized this. He's the guy that said, I'm trying to change. I can't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. And he goes on to say this in 1 Corinthians 15, 9. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. I am the least of the apostles. I mean, this is Paul. This is the guy that wrote half the New Testament. This is the guy that started more churches than we'll ever know, than we'll ever even have records of. This is the guy that is a superstar spiritually. And he says, based on my qualifications and my sin, I'm just not very good. I'm the least of the apostles. I don't deserve to even be called one. Look what he says, not by my talent, not by my education, not by my good works, not by my effort, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's about God working through him. Don't miss this. The same grace that saves us is the same grace that changes us. All right, hold on to that. The same grace that saves us is the same grace that changes us. He says, I don't deserve this, but I am what I am because of his grace, because it changed me. Because of his grace, he says, I worked harder than all of them. I mean, that's God working through him. He said, I got up earlier, I stayed up later, I started more churches, I raised up more leaders, I preached more powerful sermons, I was beaten and beaten and beaten again, I was left for dead, I was whipped, I was shipwrecked, but he came back. He was persecuted. They tried to kill him, but he came back. And he says, that same grace that saved me is the same grace that changed me. And no matter how much he put into it, it wasn't just his will and his drive. Although those are important, it was the grace of God through him. Spiritual transformation. Real change is God through you. So what's that look like? What does God working through you look like? What does that look like on Monday morning? What's that look like on Saturday night? What's that look like at home? What's that look like at work? Well, for change to be spiritual transformation, guess what? It has to be spiritual. You have to have a spiritual component to it. You get it? For it to be spiritual transformation, which is the only way change truly happens, it has to be empowered by God's Spirit and not just your power. Summer's over. Nice to have cooler weather, isn't it? We're out of the 110 degrees and, and brutal humidity. We're, we're out of that. At least I hope we're out of that. I like the cooler weather. So summer's over. It's a new school year. It's a new schedule. It's a good time to start thinking about change. Right? What do you need to change? What do you need to change? I want to change what? What is that for you? Fill in the blank. I want to change blank. What is it for you? Whatever it is, let's say you want to lose weight. Let's go back to that one because that's a big one. Why do you want to lose weight? 
because you're tired of wearing your fat jeans. That's why you want to lose weight, right? Come on, every woman in this room says, yes, that's exactly. And every man, if they were honest, would say the same exact thing. You get to a certain age, you're going, I just got fat jeans. I don't even have skinny jeans anymore. But that's what you want to do. You want to fit back into your skinny kind of clothes. So what do you do? You make your plan. It's whatever diet works for your friends right now. That's what you're going to go on. Keto, paleo, Chick-fil-A-io, whatever it is that's working for them, that's where you're going because it's working for them. So you're going to give it a shot. And then you pick your new workout routine. Let's just say it's pickleball. Yeah, some of you are going, yeah, I love that. I was driving down 75 last night, and I looked to my left at Tyler's River Road. It says, the pickle, on this big letters on this building. Uh, maybe it used to be a tennis facility. Now it's pickleball courts. That's awesome. So your new exercise is pickleball. Dave Viers, I'm gunning for you, by the way. Anyway, so let's get back to... So you have your why to lose weight. You have your how, diet and workout. But now you need to add a spiritual component to your why and how. Have you ever done that? My guess is no. That's why we keep being stuck. We keep trying to do things on our own. We keep trying to do things on our own plan. What is your spiritual why? Well, your spiritual why is God's purpose for you. That's your why. And your spiritual how is God's power working through you together. It's not your effort. It's not your behavior changes. It's spiritual transformation that has to happen. So how's this play out? I don't know. Maybe on your phone you got a little notification that said you spent 66 hours on your phone this week. For some of you, it might be a lot more than that, right? 66 hours on your phone. I'm thinking... Okay, I should probably spend less time on my, that's my phone, by the way. I should probably spend less time on my phone. So why are you going to do that? Because I don't want to spend so much time on my phone. I mean, maybe that's why. Get a spiritual reason behind it. What's your spiritual purpose in life? What is it? We say it all the time around here, to love God and love people. That's our spiritual why for our lives, right? Love God. How loving are you staring at a screen? Um, not very. Your spiritual why might be to love God and love people. And to do that, you need to have connections with people. Now, it might be nice to like a post that somebody puts on Facebook or to comment on that post or even to follow up with them you know, online. But to truly connect to people, you need to be with people. You need to be in their space. You need to have conversations with them. Not just, not just clicking on their latest post. So your spiritual why to love God and love people means you have to connect with people. Maybe for you it's I want to be better at my money. Why? Because I'm tired of being broke. Good reason, right? I mean it just is. It's a good reason. But what if there was a spiritual reason added to that? Which is something like this. Everything that I have comes from God. And one of the best ways that I can worship God and honor God is by managing his resources where I'm not just trying to pay my bills, but I pay my bills and then I look at how I can help the people around me, how I can contribute into their lives because I'm taking good care 
of his money and his resources. Now, how can I help the people around me? If you add a spiritual why to what you want to do, it changes your heart. I mean, I want to be in better shape. Why? So I can look good? Not a bad reason. I mean, I mean, it's just not. Not a bad reason to look good. But what if instead it's my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and I want to honor God with the body he gave me? There's your spiritual reason. What's your spiritual why for spiritual transformation to take place? It's got to be spiritual. I mean, it just has to be. Once you figure out your spiritual why, you have to figure out your spiritual how, and that's Zechariah 4, 6. Here's what it says. He said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. It's not about your might. It's not about your power. It's not about your willpower. All those, those things are important, but it's about the spirit of God. It's God's grace through us. You're not on your own. And when you rely on God's grace, you have more power than you do without him. Now, these last few weeks have been tough at our house. Most of you know we have four dogs. Two Yorkies, one Minpin mix, and a giant 100-pound schnauzer. All right? Those are our four dogs at our house. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we found out that our giant has toe cancer. And so we do the research, we do the, the Facebook groups, we ask all kinds of questions, we schedule her surgery to have one of her toes removed and a mask removed off of her back, and I know that she's a dog, but she's my dog. That makes a difference, doesn't it, for all of us? I know she's a dog, but she's my dog, and after her surgery for the past 10 nights, I've been sleeping on the couch. Isn't that strange? Anybody else, would do, do you do that kind of stuff? I'm sleeping on the couch so she doesn't have to be alone. I'm sleeping on the couch so I can take care of her, so I can see if she's in pain, so I can make sure she has all of her meds and antibiotics and special treatments. And we're starting after 10 days. I haven't slept in my own bed, and I haven't slept much at all, to be honest. But we're starting to get through that. And I'm working on my worry, which is a big issue for me. And I'm working on my tension with worry because I get way overprotective of the people and things that I love when they're in pain or they're hurt or there are issues going on. I get a little bit snappy when I get worried. Okay, I get a lot snappy when, when, when I get worried. Just ask my wife. Um, but it's, it's one of those kind of things, right? I mean, I worry and my tension is high. And then on Friday we had to take two of our other dogs in to the vet because we found blood in the urine and neither one were doing very well. So we found out the Mocha, our Minpin mix, is a diabetic now and has to be on insulin shots. And Lily, one of our Yorkies, has a lot of infection in her body and she's 17 uh, years old and so she's struggling and my stress level is off the charts with worry. And then having to try to figure out how to do insulin shots. I've been a diabetic my whole life on insulin. But it's different when you have to give insulin shots to your, to, to your pet. And then seeing my wife incredibly stressed and worried and breaking down mentally by having to give shots to one of our dogs. And seeing 
what are the side effects and how does this work and how does it affect her and she's just stressed to the max and last night I, I know I should do this more often and I should do it on a daily basis last night it came to this point as I'm wrapping up this teaching is going why haven't I just turned this over to God I, I mean why am I holding on to this and I had to ask myself what's my spiritual why what's my spiritual how and overcoming this thing that needs to change. And what do I need to change? I need to change my worry. I need to change my attitude. I need to change my stress. Why? Because it's not good for me. Certainly not good for me and my wife. You know, I, I mean, it, 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 just, it, it just isn't. It isn't. It, it isn't good for the people that I'm constantly dealing with, like the veter veterinarians that have no idea what they're talking about. Sorry, I'm a little upset with that. But I have to figure out my spiritual why. And my spiritual why has always been to love God and love people. And that can only be, be done with the power of Jesus working through me to make a difference. I can't love God and love people when I'm worried all the time. And I can't love, and lo love God and love people when I'm stressed all the time. And I can't love God and love people when I'm snappy with the veterinarians or anybody else in my life. I can't do that. So how do I love God and love people? I know that my behavior will only change when my spiritual life gets back on track. I know that. And you know that. But why is it that we want, to get, we want to change, but God's grace is the last place we always go to to find that change in our lives? I mean, it should be the first place we go to, right? God's grace should be the first thing we do, the first place we go on our knees, praying, getting his help, getting his advice, helping us, working, allowing him to work through us to make a difference. But it's the last place we go. And we all know this, if we change our behavior, but we don't change our hearts, the behaviors come back, the habits come back, the hang-ups come back, the addictions come back. Why? Because we've only changed the outside. We haven't changed the inside. We just haven't. 2 Corinthians 12 says this, and maybe this is where we need to, to stay and focus for the next week. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. My grace is all you need. That's God speaking directly to us. My power works best in weakness. You know what? We're weak. Whether we want to admit that or not, we might have some great qualities and some great strength and some great abilities and be able to do a lot of things on our own, but literally we're weak without God working through us to make a difference, through us to make an impact, through us to change. Maybe it's time for all of us to start thinking about that. Give it to God. Let God's grace work through us instead of trying to handle everything on our own. Will you pray with me? Father God, I pray for everyone in this room and everyone watching online. God, may you work through us so that we can be changed, that we can be radically transformed, so that we can be different than what we've ever been before. God, we know that it's only by your grace and your power 
that we truly can change. Help us to do that. Thank you for loving us enough to giving us that grace. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.